Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast. Gallery Girl is a London-based website and curatorial platform dedicated to contemporary art from across the globe. In this podcast, we're going to focus on female artists, curators and practitioners who highlight art with roots in West Asia and North Africa. Enjoy. Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast. Today my guest is Nada Al-Kalawi, an Egyptian visual artist whose personal history is her primary work material, dealing with loss, traces of memory and fiction. Welcome Nada. Hi Daisy, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, when did you first realise you wanted to become an artist? Um, that's an interesting question. I think ever since I was young like I think ever since I could write I've always been drawing Mm -hmm. like I have these drawings of my grandma or like of scenery like mountains when we used to travel in Egypt um but I think I grew up in a house where art like I wasn't surrounded by art growing up Mm -hmm. um my family they're all medics (laughs) and I think at the back of my head I thought well maybe I should be a doctor but then I realized that I hate blood, so that wasn't an option anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was during my A-levels that I did um, art, photography, and design technology. And I knew I wanted to do something related to art. But I wasn't aware of what an artist does at this point. Like, I wasn't told at school, like, if you study fine art, then you become an artist, and you have exhibitions, and you show. Mm-hmm. So I thought... And also, I think because of the Middle Eastern um, upbringing, like my parents were like, well, if you like art, photography and design, why not do architecture? It's a mix of all yeah. three. And that's not really the case. I mean, I did end up doing architecture in the, my first year. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be an artist. Um, so I transferred into fine art into second year at Kingston University. And... From then, I was sure that this is the career that I wanted to like continue with. Yeah. Um, and I also knew that I wanted to be a painter all along. Mm. But it took me like maybe two or three years to like really start painting and um, yeah, push myself in that medium. Yeah. So when you first started at art school, were you not painting? Were you doing something else? Yeah, I think because of Kingston as well, it was very experimental. It was more for new media, um, so video, um, performance, installation, sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And there weren't that many people painting, and it wasn't really something that was discussed a lot in crits. So I, I found it very difficult to be painting. I was drawing, but I was also making videos, um installations yeah like I wasn't painting at all during my undergrad wow so when you went to Slade for your master's is that when you really like yeah yeah so I remember my interviews because I was sure that I wanted to study painting in my master's and in all of my interviews people were asking me like why painting we can't see painting in your portfolio and I said because it's the one thing that I've always wanted to do, but I just didn't have the chance to do it. And I wanted to be in a um, in an environment where you wouldn't have to be necessarily painting, but you would be talking about painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And speaking of painting, are there any, like, particular painters that you've always, like, looked at their work and thought, well, I want to be like them, or, like, I really love their work because of X, Y, and Z? Yeah, (laughs) so many. (laughs) Like, it's hard to kind of think of one specific painter that I admire because there's so many. I mean, I look at old masters a lot. I love the National Gallery, and, Mm. yeah, like... Rembrandt, his use of light. Um, who else? And then also, like, more contemporary painters. I love Marlene Dumas. Mm-hmm. I think she's incredible. Um, I love um, Alice Neal, Elizabeth Payton. I mean, they're all very different, mm-hmm. but I love all of their work for so many different reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a lot of people. I'm sure <laughs> after this podcast, I'll be like, "Why did I not mention this?" <laughs> but yeah, I look, I look at a lot of um, paintings in general. Yeah, um, so like a lot of your painting, it touches on your personal history and like the duality of like going between the UK and Egypt. Like, what was it like for you, like moving here? And how, like, important is it to you to bring, like, a sense of Alexandria into your work? Um, I think it all started with um, me trying to understand identity. I think I was trying to make work about my identity. Mm -hmm. It's still evident in the work. I think it will always be somehow because I always find Alexandria connected to the work. Um, whether it's in the photographs that I work from or the the place where the paintings are kind of set. Um, but then the work when I first started was very, I think it was more obvious that it was about this duality mm-hmm. and kind of questioning where home is and, yeah, and like nostalgia and sentimentality and all of that. Um but then I realized that what I, I'm mostly interested in is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily just my story. I think it's the possibilities of creating something. Like, for example, if I see a photograph and this photograph is really interesting to me for so many reasons, then I'm interested in all of the possibilities of narrative that I can construct from that single photograph so this is kind of where I'm at right now in my practice uh whereas when I first started it was more of me trying to navigate (laughs) all of the different things that I'm interested in um being um a woman being a Muslim being um Egyptian like all of these things yeah so um and also the revolution. I, I remember because when I was still, when was it? Yeah, when I first started, like, practicing art, um, in my first day in the second year of fine art, like, the, I remember the tutor was like, yeah, we have an exhibition, so you have to make a piece for it. And I asked them, like, what's the brief? Because coming from architecture, you have all of these set yeah. and checklists that you have to follow. And mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you just make work about anything that you want. And it was during that time that there was the Arab Spring and the Egyptian Revolution. 
So that was kind of the starting point that led to all of these questions later on. Wow. Um, and have you always worked from a photograph? Um, yes, I feel like um, because I, I'm very interested in people mm-hmm. and I think with the kind of paintings that I make, like they're not photorealistic or hyperrealistic, but there is a sense of realism to the figures. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to work from imagination. Yeah. And also I've worked from life a few times before, but I, I mean, there's... Uh, I guess I liked some aspects of it, but I also didn't like the idea that, first of all, the sitter, I can't have the sitter around for, like, 12 hours. Yeah. So, and also then there becomes this expectation from the person being painted on the way that they would like to be painted or how you depict them. So I felt like there was a restriction there, whereas when I work from a photograph, then I have that freedom where I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And are the people that you paint, are they anonymous or not? Um, so I realized that because I work, so it's a mix. I work from family photographs, sometimes found photographs, uh, from the internet or sometimes photos that I take myself. And I realized that in the process of painting, those people become like characters. They become, and sometimes a mix of so many different people in one person. Mm -hmm. The emotion that I'm feeling whilst I'm painting it. So I kind of imagine what it's like to be that character that I'm painting, and then I paint it. So it's not like a copy or... um, Yeah, I'm not trying to copy like how that person looks in a photograph exactly it's more just of a like a reference or a source yeah to then start the painting okay so you've described your work as dealing with loss and Mm -hmm. to me loss is quite a sad word but your work doesn't seem sad at all like what do you what do you mean when you say loss in connection to your work um I think it's like it could be loss of time, loss of a specific memory, um, loss of a person. Like it's not; it's just loss in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think. I mean, I think there is an element of sadness, or maybe it's not sadness. Maybe it's more like a bittersweet feeling in the work that. I think sometimes these pictures can be quite happy, but then you realize that they're not real moments. This is kind of what I play with, is the blurring the line between what's real and what's fictional. Yeah. Because also it's the same thing with photographs. I feel like photographs can be quite staged, where you're representing kind of the best version of yourself. Yeah. When it's just a facade and it's not really... Um, it doesn't have to be a true representation of what's actually happening behind the camera, if that makes sense. So I think that's how I also approach the paintings, that when you see it at first glance, you might think, oh, this is a very happy memory. But then the more you look at it with different details, that you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) there's something else happening here. So, yeah, I like to think of them as like 
layers. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, and you also done like a few residencies and you did one in Alexandria recently. What was it like to go back and like make work in your hometown? Um, it was, it was really good actually. It was really good for the work um, because before I went back, um, the kind of work that I made for my Slade show was more from a place of longing. So it was um, still using the photograph, but making it more evident in the work. Um, like, so the photograph becomes part of the composition, whether the photograph is hung on a wall. Mm -hmm. So the painting is of a photograph being hung on a wall or like being part of a, um, yeah, like a home setting. Right. Um, whereas when I went back to Egypt, I was, I think, making work about being there physically. Mm -hmm. um, so most of the work is, um, the whole painting is like a still frame rather than the photograph existing within the painting. Mm -hmm. um, and I found myself making work mainly about the beach because mm -hmm. this is the thing that I, I think it's the place where I felt most at home. I mean, the residency was in um, a district called Miami, <laughs> named after Miami. Oh, wow. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, it was on the Mediterranean Sea. It was mm -hmm. on the beach. I mean, not the place itself, but it was very close to the beach. So I would see the beach every single day. And it kind of brought back these memories when I grew up seeing the beach every single day so I was kind of making work about that looking back at specific uh, moments and some moments were moments that I've remembered upon seeing a photograph and some were kind of made up um, as I was painting yeah so did that experience of being in Alexandria for all that time did it have an impact when you came back to the UK on your work um, I, yeah, I think so, because then it wasn't, I realized, because in, before I went back to Alexandria, the work was mainly about family mm -hmm. and about my specific story or, yeah, the stories of my family. And then I realized that this isn't really what I'm interested about. I'm interested in storytelling in general um and so now I'm thinking more about how to construct a narrative that feels quite familiar mm -hmm. so that like for example if it's a photograph uh, if it's a painting of like a family it's a family portrait I feel like this is something that is relatable I mean people have families people have photographs of their family celebrating birthdays and I realized that this is what I'm interested in not specifically my own family yeah okay. um yeah I think that's what I realized after mm -hmm. yeah I guess that like your paintings do feel like quite familiar like there's some kind of like relationship between Mm -hmm. like you and the and the sitters as if like you know them like a family so that makes sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you're predominantly a painter but you've also dabbled mm -hmm. 
in so many other things like video and tapestry are you planning mm -hmm. to incorporate that back into your work or like what's your relationship with other media like um when i first started making um i think animations um was because I make a lot of drawings, so I paint, but I also draw a lot, mm -hmm. because it's usually also the starting point, whether it becomes a painting or a tapestry or um, the animations, but I felt like every single medium did something different, and also the way that I worked, like there was a different approach. So usually when I'm painting, I have some sort of a clear idea of how the painting is going to look like beforehand whereas with the animation i kind of started with one drawing and then built a storyline as i was going mm -hmm. which i found really interesting um and then the tapestries is something that i've always been fascinated by i mean i grew up seeing tapestries all around me whether like hung on walls at home or in like the furniture like the aubusson in the chairs mm. and I've always wanted to make tapestries I just didn't know how to weave yeah um, and so I started initially just by using kind of the thread like a line yeah um to make tapestries as if they're line drawings and then um I wanted to introduce more color and I started by I'm trying to remember what the technique is called. It's something like tufting. Like, you okay, know, the tufting yeah, like when they the make carpets. carpets, yeah. Yeah, um, but it's a needle. Um, and this is how I started making them. And I, I made a few small ones because they take a very long time. They're quite laborious. Um, and I always work on so many different things at the same time in the studio. So it's a nice distraction from painting sometimes yeah. um, but it also frustrates me when it takes a very yeah. long time yeah it's very um, time consuming <laughs> very time consuming and also really hurts your fingers after yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I know I do embroidery um, as well so it's like it's a long process but it's so it's I, I find long. it like it's so intimate because it's really like um you have to put like it's quite physical Yes. Especially if it's a big piece, you know, like, you know that someone's really spent a lot of time making that. Yes, 100%. Like, it, there's an embodiment of time in the process of making. And and I became very interested in this idea because I'm interested in time, whether by looking at photographs from, like, I don't know, the 50s and 60s and the current time. But, like, yeah, time as a theme is, is something that I think about in my work. And so I started thinking about tapestry and how... Nowadays, um, there are machines that produce tapestries. Yeah. Um, so after that, I made, I worked with a factory to um, make, I mean, they're not as big as I wanted because I, initially I was thinking of like um, five by six meters, like, you know, Renaissance type yeah. tapestries. But mm -hmm. obviously I was restricted with the size of the loom. So mm -hmm. I think the biggest one I did was about one, like maybe 140 by 180. Okay. So it was machine woven, yeah. like a jacquard tapestry. And then I added um, 
using the same technique, like the tufting technique, to add some details on top. Yeah. Um, and the idea was, I was very interested in the relationship between painting and tapestry and how, like, the process for me was that I would make a sketch, like, kind of a design of what the tapestry would look like, and then I'd make a painting um, on glass so that I have these brush strokes that become quite visible when you see the tapestry, that you yeah. can tell that it was done from a painting. Yeah. And then this painting then becomes a tapestry. And then after that, I painted on the mural, like I painted a mural on the wall behind. Yeah. So that then it, it's like a painting that becomes a tapestry that becomes a painting again. Yeah. So yeah, I was very interested. This, was this of, the one at your slate show? Uh, yeah, so yeah, there's one that I did at the stage yeah. show. Yeah. And then after that, um, last year when I was in Egypt, I had a show at the AUC, at the American University in Cairo. It was a painting show. Uh-huh. And they commissioned me to make another tapestry. Oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, that was that was the biggest one that I've done. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to, I want to go back to making... Um, more tapestries and actually I was meant to have a residency this year in Morocco yeah um where I would work on a large scale large scale tapestry and paintings as well and hopefully have a show but then <laughs> COVID happened yeah. and now everything's postponed till <laughs> next year so fingers crossed it happened because I'm really excited yeah I would so love to see it yeah I think 2021 is gonna be the year <laughs> So speaking of COVID, how have you spent like this time that we've been in? Uh, it was quite difficult. I mean, um, the first week, I think it was, everyone was very confused by what's happening. Are we like going into lockdown? Or are we not? And then lockdown happened and I was stuck at home with my parents. I couldn't like come to the studio. And I realized that making was vital for me. Like not just as an artist, just like as a person, it really helped. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also found it difficult to kind of continue doing what I was doing in the studio before Mm. um, lockdown. Because I feel like everything I make is a reaction to something that's happening around me um so yeah I found myself drawing a lot from life um whether it's like my family or um interiors like inside the house outside the house um and I made a few small paintings or medium paintings um but yeah, I mean, the work is quite different from the rest of the work. Like now that I look at it in the studio, like even the colors, the, the way that it's painted, um, they feel quite claustrophobic. <laughs> you can tell that they were done during quarantine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very strange time. Yeah. yeah. And what is it um, like being back in the studio now um it took me a while to get back into it um and like go back to having a routine and then also I think 
thinking about the work that I was doing before quarantine. So like before the lockdown, I was thinking a lot about identity, but like delving deeper into that and like taking a closer look at childhood, like with all its complexities um, and mysteries, whether being in a group, so whether I'm painting a group of people or individuals isolated. And I had those two paintings in the studio of a girl with like three chicks, two on her shoulder and one on her head. Um, And there was another painting of like a group of people. It looks like a family portrait um, and like a celebration of some sort, maybe a birthday because there's a balloon. Uh And... After that, I went away on a holiday for like a week. I went to Portugal. Uh And then that got me thinking again about (laughs) the beach and the sea and why I get really excited about making work about the sea. Yeah. So, yeah, now I'm working on a body of work um, that's still like, I'm still thinking about it. Like, I don't have a clear vision yet, but I'm writing more. Um, and for this body of work I'm because usually when I'm working there's a story within every painting but now I'm trying to see the work as a whole like to have a story yeah and create a storyboard and then from that storyboard I make the painting okay that makes sense yeah it's like creating a film or something but in paint (laughs) yeah something like that (laughs) I mean it won't be anything as complicated as a film and I don't want the story to be something um that has like a clear end or like you know how usually with stories there's a hero and there's a villain yeah victory like I'm I don't want that I want it to be something that could be um read in different ways like yeah. i think what i what i really love about art is that you can read it in so many different ways and everyone will have their own interpretation and vision of it yeah and this is kind of what i would like to achieve with my work so that yeah. everyone can walk away with something different than the other yeah amazing so um, you just sent me on WhatsApp an image of a painting with a really interesting looking balloon that you've been working on. <laughs> Did you want to talk about that one? Yeah, um, this one. I mean, I'm not sure about the title yet, but for now, I decided to call it a missing member. Okay. And um, I came across this photograph that actually had, like, um, a very strangely shaped balloon, like, in the shape of a penis. I was like, wow, okay, I want to work with that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, the idea for this painting is I wanted it to look like it was from a photograph, like a frozen still. Um, And I wanted the figures to, like look like they're um, not necessarily posing, but I wanted to have something unsettling about it so that the the faces are either like muted or really exaggerated so that 
you can upon seeing it first glance you might think okay like it's just another family portrait but the more you look at it and you look at the different expressions of each person then you'd realize that it's like there's something going on like there's something hidden um so yeah like i don't like to say too much i just want it to be um that the person would question what's going on yeah this is what i'm trying to get at so yeah. that the person would start wondering like maybe this character did this like who's this person hiding behind this balloon yeah and what is this hand that's resting on the girl's shoulder that looks like it's like i don't know where this hand comes from even yeah um yeah to have all of these elements that might make it um strange or unsettling just make you wonder about what's going on behind this facade that they're putting on or this show that they're putting on yeah it's yeah it really does draw you in so um what are you working on next do you know or are you just like working on your storyboard I'm working I mean I already have um a painting that this I mean it's still in focus um but it's off a again like some sort of a family um but it, it looks like they have very strange like dynamics okay. <laughs> between them and then there's this ghostly figure um that is in the center of the painting and it's also the only thing that's gazing at the viewer so all of the other characters are looking in different directions but then there's this ghost that is just staring right at you. Oh wow! So it um, feels like it your work me... all has like a ghostly, <laughs> a ghostly quality. Yeah. At the minute. Yeah, and this is what I'm actually thinking about. Is like because I think a lot about presence and absence and what that means. Yeah. But then now I'm thinking more about visibility. Yeah. And invisibility and what that means, whether it's like psychological, social, physical. But taking a fictional perspective, um, so yeah, this is what I'm thinking of now: is trying to develop a story yeah. um, that is fictional, but will have some truth to it. So that the the place where this family is is a true place, but then everything that's happening and all of these characters are all made up. Yeah, yeah, I completely get and that. Yeah, I don't want it to have, um, I don't want the viewer, I mean, I want to give some clues by using motifs that, like, um, keep appearing in, in the paintings. Yeah. So that there's a link between them and you can kind of guess the story, but then not give too much so that you're left wondering of what is happening. Yeah. Like, construct it in a way that the viewer can be uncomfortable, but then still enjoy them, be intrigued, start to think about it, start to think about the different meanings and why they keep reappearing. Yeah. But then by the end of it, I would like the viewer to, like, question it, but also have the desire to keep thinking about it and wonder what happens next. Oh, cool. Amazing. And speaking of what happens next, like, what are your 
plans for the future or hopes? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, with COVID, it's very difficult to say, but for next year, I have the the residency in Morocco that got got postponed till next year. Yeah. Um, So this is meant to be happening early next year, but then depends again on what happens because... yeah. some airports are still shut and uh-huh. all of that. Yeah. Um, and I also have another residency in Switzerland in Basel. Oh, cool. Amazing. That's also meant to be happening at some point next year. Um, this year I have um, one of my animations, Home, uh, got selected for a film festival. It's an art film festival in Germany oh, called cool. Kino der Kunst. Uh-huh. I think this is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, so this is meant to be happening end of October. Um, and yeah, this is, these are the things that are confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things up in the air, so I can't really talk about them with like confidence. Yeah. But I hope that, yeah, next year, um, I hope that COVID ends soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like goes back to somewhat normal-ish so that, there's more I mean I to be honest right now I'm enjoying being in the studio and making it thinking and having that space yeah um but I also miss exhibitions and private views and all of that yeah for sure me too well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me um everyone can follow Nada at Nada Kalawi on Instagram and I will link everything and I'm super excited to see like what else you produce next thank you thank you